0: To read list. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 139 unread books on my shelf. With me, as always, is my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Hey, y'all. And my husband Dylan is our sound recordist. Howdy, y'all. Oh, we're Southern now.
1: I'm in San Antonio right now.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: You're... How is San Antonio? San it's Antone. good.
1: It's always weird recording from a hotel room because I'm afraid that, like, there's going to be crazy sounds that I'm not expecting or, like, a drunk man will knock on my door, but so far we're safe.
0: No murders yet.
2: If there's anything that will summon a drunk man to your door, is being it's suggesting and saying, saying out loud on a podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you're eating jalapeno poppers. Is that that's part of the San Antonio experience?
1: They exist in my room. I'm not currently eating them because that would be rude. Of course, of course, of course. Though the place that delivered my dinner did apropos of nothing, send like a whole bag of chips, a whole bag bag of hot tortillas, and queso and salsa that I did not order, nor did I order anything that would go with it. Do so not maybe they name like
2: me. this place. I do not want this, free, this place getting free press.
0: Okay, I have a question for the group. This reminds me of something. The other day, <laughs> I went in to get Dylan's car oil changed.
2: Is this about eating books?
0: No, it's not about eating books. As I'm checking out, the guy forgot to ring me up for... A new air filter, which is like fifty dollars, and I noticed it. Oh no! The question is, do you got, do you point it out or no? Yes. Yeah, I did. I For did
2: something yeah. that <laughs>
1: significant, you pointed out.
2: That's yeah. what I. Because the guy would get screwed. He'd be in. He'd be in trouble with his boss.
0: That's what. Yeah. Okay. Good.
3: Okay. Second question. Bailey was walking in the middle of the desert, and she came across a turtle.
2: <laughs> Bailey is on in a cable car, and there's two tracks, and there's five people on one side of the tracks and four people on the other side of the tracks.
0: <laughs> the guy was giving me a look like, really, lady? You could have gotten away with it, but. Uh, does anybody have any shame to report?
2: Oh yes, I have uh, street shame.
0: Street shame. Oh, I forgot Ooh. to write it down. <laughs> street
2: <laughs> shame. <There's laughs> yeah, a weird I heard for a segment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> street
2: shame. Um, I cannot. Uh, yes. Uh, I was trying to remember the exact title. Uh, I keep finding books in boxes on the side of the road in my neighborhood, and I love it. I've never lived in a neighborhood where I found this many books. I keep uh, finding books
1: under the pillows of my hotel rooms, but they're all just <laughs> my name written thousands of times in different fonts. <laughs> Should I be worried,
2: or is that a fun gift? Is it is it after you slept there for one night and your hands are covered with
1: ink? It's in the morning.
2: <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. And no, my...
2: Cut that out, Billy. Cut that part out like we do every episode. <laughs> He can't know. So I found Alice Munro's "For the Love of a Good Woman." Oh, cool! On uh, in a box in the street, because <laughs> it's funny. Because I feel like usually it's like a box full of like Dean Koontz.
0: hmm
2: Um, not anything against Dean Koontz, but you know, like uh, Alice Munro. It's like whoa, cool. Mm, so that literary. is. It, I guess it's shame because I did. I was like, yeah. I'd, I'd had like two beers and I was like, I'm taking this home, and reading it. <laughs> um, so that happened and then now it's on my list. I have to add it to the Goodreads list, but yeah.
0: Did you just walk into somebody's yeah. house and take a book off I'm the just, shelf? I'm just
2: imagining me like kicking open the door to a bookstore. What a
0: strange box! <laughs> <laughs> I have a question, Toby. When you came to our apartment to record, were those two books still on the mailbox? yes okay See, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling bad because those two books belonged to me at one time i put them out <laughs> and i thought somebody took them you but... should
2: probably give full information on this okay
0: these books are because call- this is
2: not a standard this is not a standard thing that people do i feel like this is the first apartment building i've seen where people do it
0: you're right and that's one of the reasons why i decided to live here <laughs> on the mailbox of our apartment complex people often leave books and it's like take a book leave a book it's like a free little library but without the little adorable library thing. So I left uh, The Miniaturist and mm-hmm. The Lace Reader, which, you know, just were ones that I wasn't gonna read again, let's Ooh-hoo. say that. And I left them out and they were gone and I was happy somebody took them and then they've reemerged <laughs> and they're like covered back. in mold. And I'm, <laughs> Dylan said something like that they had been on the ground somewhere and then I'm really sad.
2: Well, I would, if, if there was any book that I would deliberately cover in mold, it would be the Diminutress. Diminutress is not that bad. I, yeah... Yeah, it is. I really dislike the miniaturist. Fight me, bookstagram. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny, because it, it is funny to imagine someone is like, oh, God, these are so bad. I'm going to put them in my slightly ajar refrigerator for a couple days and then put them back out on the mailbox.
0: I was thinking somebody used it, like, you know, when your um, table isn't level and you need to <laughs> put something under it?
2: Yeah, that'd be a really unlevel table, though.
3: Oh, no, I spilled my drink everywhere. Oh, uh, here's a copy of the miniaturist. <laughs>
1: Don't add us, miniaturist author.
0: (laughs) Uh, I I haven't read the book.
1: For all I know, I love it. It's great. You won't.
0: It's okay. Um, (laughs) I I don't have any shame because I have a confession. (laughs) I have transferred my shame with buying books to my shame with buying puzzles. Ah.
2: Successfully. Is this why why it's been so hard to nail you down for podcast recording times recently? Because you're like, I have to record my other... I mean, uh... (laughs) There's the two, no... the two
0: assemble list. It wouldn't be very good audio content, but maybe for YouTube. I have gotten really into um, watching this woman named Karen on YouTube assemble puzzles. Her name is Karen Puzzles. <laughs> I find it very calming.
2: Hmm.
0: It's nice. Anyway, Toby's rolling his I, eyes.
2: No, I'm just imagining that this woman doesn't know she's being filmed for a YouTube channel. <laughs> like someone's installed like a spy camera, and it's just like this woman who likes to do puzzles. <laughs>
1: I mean, to be fair, what else is she gonna do with a name like that? Yeah, that's true. You're right. I did just right. have a bite puzzles. of jalapeno popper. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard something spicy
2: pop.
0: But yes, I do keep buying puzzles, and I keep seeing puzzles I want. This is all to lead up to. I'm on a quest, you guys, to oh, find. It's to find a certain puzzle. It's called donuts. D O N U T S. It's by Gallison. <laughs> <laughs> apparently is they,
2: that, don't throw that name out like we know what that means oh,
0: well it, it's a puzzle company like Ravensburger it's one of my favorite puzzle companies <laughs> like Ravensburger that people that know what good.
1: Ravensburger no, is Raven- that's something people might know that's not yes. ridiculous yes. Is this a main thing? No,
0: that's that's I like that German. <laughs>
2: Dylan just pointed in their living room. There's a giant bag with Ravensburger on it. Is that your puzzle coiler?
0: Yes. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I don't know what to call it. It's
2: a puzzle. It's like a inflatable thing that you can wrap your puzzle around so that you can store it while you work on it. Yes. And I think puzzle wrapper is should be the name of the product.
0: That is a good name. It's called a Stow and Go. Yeah.
2: Oh, puzzle wrapper is so much better. So much
0: better. Anyway, puzzle okay, coiler. Donuts by Gallison. It's really cute, really colorful, great textures, 500 pieces. Let
2: me guess, it's lizards. It's just pictures of lizards. No. Oh.
0: It's donuts. Oh. Sorry. Anyway, I've been trying to find it, but it's not online, and apparently it's only sold in Target stores. And I have been to literally, literally six Target stores in the past week trying to find it. I saw it on Instagram, and I tried to get this Instagram girl to send me the ISBN number because I know that somebody who works with gals and has a distributor to try to track it down. Oh, my God. But she didn't respond to my DM. (laughs) I can't imagine why. <laughs>
2: um, you do you do know we live in an age where you can order custom puzzles, right? So you could just get a picture of donuts I, I, and I, make I, a puzzle.
3: I, I love to
0: explain this to her. No.
3: No,
2: it has to be that one.
0: It, I, it's a quest now. Hmm. So listeners...
2: <laughs> send me ISBN numbers. <laughs> Don't
0: put this on them. Not even that. Go to your Target. Huh? Find the donut me puzzle, a
2: puzzle. <laughs> and se- and send it where you think they live because we're not going to reveal our address here.
0: I put a lot of effort into this podcast. I should oh, get wow. some reward. just getting demanding? <laughs> wow. You guys can- wow. I
2: should get something out of
0: it. Toby, you get street books. Andrew gets jalapeno peppers. I <laughs> should get this puzzle.
1: Uh Andrew gets jalapeno, jalapeno the- poppers madam
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah jalapeno your, peppers are what you buy in the grocery store
0: chips, queso. <laughs> I, and
2: I would say that Andrew and I would be enjoying those things regardless of this podcast <sighs>
0: fine Andrew do you have any shame puzzle or otherwise
1: um just book related I'm sorry that I didn't announce this last time it just felt like too much but no we were in uh, Elliott Bay Books in Seattle a few weeks ago uh Jillian and I and picked up a few books, you know, who knows how this all happens, but we ended up with a full <laughs> bag. And so I will be adding two Jane Austen titles. Uh, one, Pride and Prejudice, which I did not realize was not already on my list. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was. Yeah. Am I the only fool on this podcast who's read Pride and Prejudice?
0: Not a fool, smart man.
1: And also Mansfield Park. Oh, I wanna read that one, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think if
2: I start saying smart man when Bailey says, my friend Toby?
0: It would be weird, but I'd support it. Smart I don't man. know but, uh, that I'd
1: support it, and I might think less of you, Toby. Oh, smart man.
0: Is um is Jillian still doing that thing where she wants to read all the Jane Austen in the next month or so? What?
1: She is. However, she's not going to do it because we leave for England on on Saturday. Doesn't she want to read some of them while
2: she's in England?
1: Well, part of the reason we're traveling there is to look at some of the sites where some of the adaptations that she's watched have been filmed. That's, like, one of the mm-hmm. activities we're doing. So she, like, wanted to get a, say that she also read them versus just going for Adaptation Land, you know?
0: Well, you know what she should do is she should go on Twitter.com slash SparkNotes because they've got some spicy memes.
1: Good
2: transition. Good transition. Spicy <laughs> memes.
0: <laughs> Guys, <laughs> listeners, you got to check out SparkNotes Twitter. They're killing it on the meme game. But seriously, there's many about... Pride and Prejudice. Half of them are about Pride and Prejudice. Most yeah. of them are about Pride and Prejudice. There's one that's about the great Gatsby that I thought was pretty funny.
2: I feel like every year a freshman kid has to read Pride and Prejudice and discovers what Sparknotes is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but check it out. Check it out. Check it out. All right. Well, the official transition. This week on the podcast, Toby had a book to read at random from his shelf. Toby, what book did you read?
2: I had the graphic novel V for Vendetta by Alan Moore and David Lloyd.
0: Oh, it was co-written. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, people will know Alan Moore's name more (laughs) because uh, he's gone on to create uh, many very, very famous graphic novels, created The Watchmen, uh, other ones as well, Swamp Thing. Um, He's a notable crazy person slash genius. Uh, And yeah, you ready for my log line?
0: Yeah, tell us. Here we go.
2: V for Vendetta is a serialized comic by the eccentric master of the genre, Alan Moore. The comic follows the story of the mysterious figure known as V as he attempts to disassemble the brutal fascist government that has taken over England in the wake of a global nuclear war.
0: Ooh. Tight.
1: Tight. That's a well-done uh. logline, Toby.
0: But where's Natalie Portman in that logline?
2: Um, yeah, well, you know, the logline doesn't have to encompass all, every single teensy part of the story. You're right. She's you're like, like right. a main part of the story. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, yeah, uh, that, you know, that describes the story in very broad terms. Um, So Bailey's referencing the movie um, that came out uh, with Hugo Weaving as the central character V and Natalie Portman as Evie, um, the young woman he kind of takes under his wing. Um, Not spoilers, because it happens in the first two pages of the graphic novel and the first opening minutes of the movie. Um, But wait,
1: wait, her name's Evie and, and his name's V. Do you think that was a mistake? Yeah, I think
2: it was just kind of an accident. Alan Moore doesn't really put a lot of thought into his yeah. graphic novels. He just kind of... This is a joke to people who are not familiar because Alan Moore is a famous, insane person who does an insane amount of planning and, and preparation for his novels. Or he just novels. likes
0: Pokemon. Eevee is a famous Pokemon.
2: Stop trying to force and graphic Pokemon knowledge. knowledge down the throats <laughs> of our probably interested listeners.
3: Uh, this is a Puzzle Pokemon podcast now.
2: No! <laughs> um. So yeah, Um. that... Uh, so she's in there. Um, she's in there. He takes this young woman under his wing. Um, I don't want to go too, too much into the plot because it's actually, because it was originally written as, like I said, a serialized graphic novel, it means it was released installments. Like a lot of these, these days you can buy Watchmen or you can buy V for Vendetta or any other um, the sandman is another one by neil gaiman where they were released as like comic issues so Mm -hmm. short little snippets self-contained stories often but then they'll be bound into these bigger books that you'll kind of like consume all at once now as i did with this because they were released in that format there's a lot of twists and turns that happen right near the like relatively beginning of the story You know to the whole book but they're really good twists and turns i don't want to spoil any of them so i'm going to kind of discuss it in a general way without going too much into the plot because the plot is very simple totalitarian regime v is this mysterious figure with a mysterious past he's basically a superhero no spoilers that's just who he is Um, and he is attempting to kind of bring it down from the inside and evie is this young woman that he kind of saves and takes under his wing
0: and he wears a Guy Fox mask. That's he wears a Guy like Fox mask. His thing.
2: If you want to know what the Guy Fox mask looks like, uh, it has been popularized recently by uh, internet hacking group Anonymous um if you guys will know them it's used in popular culture um if you really don't know what it looks like how would you guys try and just disca- describe the guy fox mask it's very cool like before it was adopted by anonymous it's a cool looking thing and it's a cool idea for a hero honestly
0: well it looks like an old-timey guy with a big smile and a mustache
2: mm-hmm, and like a weird long soul patch yeah and he's got high cheekbones and he's got kind of like a mysterious knowing smile on his face
3: it's like the epitome of meh!
2: <laughs> That's true, yeah. Very vaudevillian, <laughs> which is something that plays into the book a lot. Overall, um, this is incredible storytelling. Alan Moore really is. Uh, the kind of Byzantine layers that he makes you pick through are, are really a delight to kind of work through, and his storytelling is very tight and very interesting. He kind of calls himself out in the foreword to this as being a bit more of a naive storyteller, but I think, honestly, it's a little bit uh, simpler to follow than The Watchmen. I enjoyed The Watchmen, which I, I read a long time ago, um, but there were times that I just kept thinking, like, what? And I'd have, really have to stretch and try and put plot points together that he seemed to make deliberately difficult to connect. Envy for Vendetta is much more straightforward. Um, and he's also, in this, he's working within the comic system. This is He's a younger writer in this one, so he's under constraints, um that maybe in his later work <laughs> he wasn't under because he's you know then a master of the genre and they'll let him do whatever he wants it's similar to like how stephen king novels towards his later career tend to get even bigger and crazier and less reined in um
0: but yeah. i think it's often better when you have more restrictions exactly
2: that's one I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm so yeah I, I think i think these restrictions have helped him mm-hmm. um with that being said there the amount of creativity in this is incredible there's just there's he plays games with all the format of all the um of all the different comics. There's a whole comic um, that is a song that V is playing and kind of singing. and there's sheet music at the top that you could actually play on the piano, and it's all like in rhyming verse. It's a really cool, creepy song that he sings about like bringing down the government. Um, and so that kind of experimentation with form and just just deep, deep well of creativity that you can tell he has is is just it makes it a joy to read. I will say um, I will get into one of my orcs, um, which is which is the character of Evie um, in the movie. If people have seen it, Natalie Portman plays Evie, and she is portrayed as young, but certainly of legal age Oh no and and, and cert- I mean I took her to be even from the poster if you, even if you've only seen the poster, she looks like she's maybe in her 20s. yeah it starts out and Evie is um, I believe she's she's 14 or 15 years old very very young and she's working as a sex worker or she's kind of trying to engage in work as a, as a sex worker um, and V rescues her and takes her under his wing. It was interesting to me. I really uh, I really enjoyed this this book. It, like, claps along. It's got a real good energy to it. Um, you really... The, the bad guys in it are really bad. The totalitarian government is very dire and intense. Um, and you just... And the character of V is such an interesting one. He's very fun to watch. But he didn't really crystallize to me until I rewatched some of the movie. Oh. The movie... Focuses on the uh, on the aspect of his character that is kind of vaudevillian and fun and funny. He's still scary in the movie, which he's supposed to be, um, but they kind of lean further into the funny side of him, or or at least the side that enjoys a joke. Whereas the book is much darker. He always seems like a much more grim, intense person, and his jokes are never really funny as much as they are kind of manic, and and just intense with violence, which I think is great. I think it fits the world that he's created, that Alan Moore's created, and that the illustrators have created with him, which I also want to compliment. I love the artwork in this. It's uh, It matches the subject matter so perfectly. It's this kind of gritty noir style. Everything is very dim and hard to see. And it's the color palette is very greys with occasional pops of color. I really love it. Um, but yeah, I... I Ended up liking the graphic novel more, despite my orc of Evie being mistreated, Um, because it is, it just, it feels more, feels less like a game. The movie feels like, oh, imagine this crazy world, and this is like, the world could easily become this, and wouldn't we love someone to save us from it? Hmm. And that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's how I feel about that.
0: Hmm. So it sounds kind of like, what are you in the mood for? Escapism or like realism? Mm-hmm.
2: There are. <laughs> I do enjoy, and uh, this is a personal taste thing, the storylines in this, in the in the graphic novel, get very bizarre. It's not too spoilery to say that uh, the leader of the country of England <laughs> in the graphic novel is basically in love with his computer that allows him <laughs> to control the whole country. And he basically goes crazy and like tries to like get together with the computer. <laughs> and i kind of loved it it was and there's a couple other things like that where like the storylines toward the end get real weird and Mm -hmm. and i was on board with it it was very fun and yeah i think overall it's just it's it's 100 worth reading if you're at all interested in graphic novels if you're at all interested in a name that you've probably heard of because two huge adaptations of his work have been within you know recent memory I would say definitely check it out. And if you're debating between uh, Watchmen and V for Vendetta, I might even say read V for Vendetta first. Um, Although I don't know if a lot of people would agree with me on that. Mm. I think probably Watchmen is the more beloved of the two among the graphic novel community. But that's my just subjective observation. Cool. There's a a pretty short foreword in the version that I read by Alan Moore. um, And he mentions that... At the time of his writing in 1982, he was trying to think, okay, what would it take to push Britain into a fascist state? What would, you know, how can I create this in, in Britain? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, it's got to be something enormous. It's got to be something earth-shattering. It's got to be something like, like global nuclear war. And basically in his foreword, which was already written, this foreword is already like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. He's like, I was so naive to believe that it would take something that big it's like and so i i just read that forward and i was like oh boy you don't even know man or 2009 <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah i would say um i think i gave it 4 stars oh
0: nice i really
2: enjoyed it um and i'm going to keep it on my shelf cuz it's a cool graphic novel and i enjoy having it
0: cool great 4 stars i might borrow it off you I might read it yeah i would recommend
2: it. yeah and and you know you could read it in a day right, it's a of graphic course. novel yeah
0: I'm I'm very fast with graphic novels. Some people um, take longer with them, but I find them very quick.
1: I'm one of yeah. those people. I take a very long time. not oh, obviously really? not longer than just reading. <laughs> longer than I probably should. Bailey yeah. plows through graphic novels. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah sure, actually. Mm.
3: You read
0: graphic novels really fast. I often get them as, like, birthday presents and I'm done by the end of my birthday. Huh. I do worry that I'm missing something by going too fast and, like, I should be... St- it's like when you go to an art museum and you feel like you're going too fast past the paintings and you should be, like, staring and getting all the nuances, but... Some- I,
2: I, I, find, I try and find a happy medium. You can't, like, stare at every panel. Right. And some panels are meant to be experienced quickly. True. Like if there's if it's an action scene, you're supposed to be excited about
1: it be fast.
0: Mm-hmm. True. Good point. All right. Very good review, Toby. Good job. Thank you. Andrew, do you have any facts on V for Vendetta?
1: I sure do. Alan Moore was born in Northampton, England on the 18th of November in 1953. He was born into a working class family in a working class neighborhood and didn't really meet many middle class people or other children that were more well off until he was accepted into a kind of fancy grammar school. He really didn't like it and said that he began to start thinking that they were, quote, teaching a covert curriculum of punctuality, obedience, and acceptance of monotony. So he started Ooh. young. Sounds oh, very.
3: Alan would be the worst middle schooler ever. <laughs> yeah, he would. <laughs> I he already has a
1: giant he beard. He still has his, yeah, <laughs> his trademark beard and, like, butt-length hair. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to your desk, please. <laughs> tapping the 20 rings he wears on his fingers on the desk. <laughs> um, he started and came through the British underground comic scene. He initially published some of his own work, um, like self-published it in, his, in a zine, um, and then eventually started getting picked up by other publications. He eventually got, gained enough steam through that to be picked up by DC Comics uh, in America, and he was one of the first British artists to like make it in that way he has written as toby said a lot of sort of the touchstone comics of our era so v for vendetta from hell the league of extraordinary gentlemen Watchmen, swamp thing and uh batman the killing joke which is um sort of like a cornerstone of the batman comics
2: isn't that widely regarded as like the best one
1: it is though he actually has some regrets about it he recently oh, yeah. was was in an interview with the guardian and he was i don't actually have this written down but but he was saying like he thinks it's too violent it's too sort of misogynistic and he mm-hmm. kind of he takes the blame for it but he also says that he was kind of being pushed by DC at the time to like really lean into that and there's some very unsavory quotes that he he says people at DC said about it. Oh. He is outside of a, being a comic artist, an avowed anarchist, occultist and ceremonial magician. Um
0: Fun. Yeah. Nice.
1: He's had significant disagreements with the studios who have adapted his comics resulting in him removing his name from both the movies and also from later editions of the book, because he feels like he doesn't have ownership of it anymore. So some copies of of Watchmen and some copies of V for Vendetta only credit him as the original writer. Um, hmm. And some of the movie adaptations have also uh, done that as well. Um, he also has used other pseudonyms such as Kurt Vile, Jill DeRay, and Translucia Baboon. <laughs>
2: I was going to talk about Kurt Weil being a musician that I like, but I like Translucia Baboon.
1: <laughs> Jill DeRay a little weird because it's a serial killer. It's like a, a, a feminization of a serial killer from the Joan of Arc era. But hey, uh, you uh-huh. do you.
2: If any listeners don't know who Alan Moore is already, these... The y- names y- make it clear. You can take these context clues and assemble him <laughs> from them.
1: Yeah. No, he looks exactly like what you're imagining. <laughs> <laughs> He has been married twice, first to a woman whose name was Phyllis. I could only find her listed as Phyllis Moore, so I don't know what her maiden name was. Um, with whom he The had second
2: t- time was a
1: woman named Translucia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with whom he had two children. Phyllis and, and Alan also had a mutual lover whose name was Deborah, who eventually Phyllis left Alan for. So they, Ooh, they separated wow. from the, from the thruple. Oh, poor Alan. Poor Alan. Alan later married fellow comic artist Melinda Gebby who he ha- has created uh, the comic Lost Girls with. Um, he still oh. lives in Northampton, and he says he enjoys it because of his ability to stay relatively anonymous. And after the fourth volume of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen published um, earlier this year, Moore retired from comic book writing. So we may have seen the last of him, but it wouldn't surprise me if he came out of retirement.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right, well, awesome. V for Vendetta by Alan Moore, four stars.
2: Bailey, you had to read a book this week, right?
0: Yes, thanks, Toby. I read a book this week. It's called Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood. Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) All right.
2: (laughs) I just couldn't think of something like murder trial, murder. All
0: right. I I experimented with something new this week. You know how Hemingway would do six-word stories? Hmm. He would do That's like a whole story a in six words. Okay, okay, might he be didn't a rumor, but the baby
1: shoes one.
0: He, he didn't. He didn't. He a
1: magazine before he was even an active writer. <gasps> I did not know that. This is akin to video proof that that time Kobe Bryant got the ball like faked into his face. He didn't flinch. It was actually because the ball was being faked. 10 feet away from him never mind that's not something our podcast listeners want to know about you hit it out of
2: the park with the first reference andrew but uh, <laughs> what part
3: of pokemon puzzle podcast do you not understand
0: okay well i have a six word summary you ready hot murderer <laughs> did she do it
1: hey
3: question mark
0: question mark yeah, yeah uh, of course counts as yeah, seven words unfortunately What? (laughs) I'll give a little more context. But essentially, the book is about um, this woman named Grace Marks. It's based on a real person who was really on trial for this. And this essentially really happened to. Um, She was on trial for murder in the 1800s, um, and then got sentenced to the asylum. And then the book follows her being interrogated by a doctor who hopes to exonerate her or to prove that she's not insane and that she should go free. Hmm. Um, and, you, and she recalls her story and the whole time you don't know if she did the murder, if somebody else did it, or if something else happened. Murder. Dun, dun, dun.
1: I'm trying to
2: think of the third option. Accident? Mm, I don't want to say. Ghost. V.
0: Maybe something more supernatural, something more exciting, something more interesting happened.
2: Alan Moore cast a spell on her. Ooh.
0: I really like this book. I really like Margaret Atwood. I mean, obviously a lot of people do, especially right now.
2: We've been giving her a lot of airtime recently. I know.
0: Well, her book, The Testaments, just came out. People are loving it. People are on Instagram are saying they're staying up late to finish it. That makes me really want to buy it. <laughs> when when I went to get the puzzle, they had it at Target, and I stopped myself from buying it.
1: Wow. Just yeah. like you didn't buy that puzzle.
2: I, I'm proud. I'm legitimately proud of you. Oh,
0: thanks, Toby. Good job. The What's the that bulge under your shirt? <laughs> oh, The Testaments. Okay. Um, She obviously is an incredible writer. Her descriptions are really, are very evocative, very beautiful. Um, So this has that and discussion of gender roles and that sort of subject matter combined with the mystery of a murder, which to me is very exciting. And you're wondering the whole time, you keep reading because you want to know, did she do it? Did she not do it? Is she telling the truth by saying that she doesn't remember what happened or is she trying to bring this doctor in like Scheherazade and tell him a story and keep him interested.
2: More like a lies, says Grace.
0: Okay, moving on. Not just kidding. <laughs> um, so I just have a quote that, so you can get a sense of the writing. This is page 22, so right at the beginning. The reason they want to see me is that I am a celebrated murderess, or that is what has been written down. When I first saw it, I was surprised, because they say celebrated singer and celebrated poetess and celebrated spiritualist and celebrated actress. But what is there to celebrate about murder? All the same, murderous is a strong word to have attached to you. It has a smell to it, that word. Musky and oppressive, like dead flowers in a vase. Sometimes at night, I whisper it over to myself. Murderous, murderous. It rustles like a taffeta skirt across the floor. Murderer is merely brutal. It's like a hammer or a lump of metal. I would rather be a murderess than a murderer, if those are the only choices.
2: Hey, guys. Margaret was a really good writer. Yeah, right? (laughs) That's real solid. Wow. Yeah, she's really good. She's
0: great. Um, I also really like the way that the book is structured throughout the interview she has with the doctor she is quilting she's making quilt squares and each section I think there's about nine sections is called a type of quilt square so one called snake fence one called fox and geese and and you can see that the quilt square at the beginning of the section. And then each section starts with primary sources from the time, so you get pieces from the real Grace Marks interviews or poetry written about her or just relevant uh, poetry that that reminds you of the time. I really like that structure. It was cool. It's really good for fans of true crime, for murderinos, as they're sometimes called. Um, If you're interested in that, you would like this. It is true crime, but it's also fictionalized and very cool to read. Also, like I mentioned before, I really loved all the feminist themes there's discussion of the concept of hysteria, which I find really interesting that at the time, you know, men would think, oh, these women go into these hysterics. But really, a lot of times they're just like living really hard lives and frustrated and righteously mad. Um, and I find that very interesting. I also think there's an element to because the murder involves another, another man did the murder and he hangs for it. But the question is, did she participate? Um And her argument, A, is that she doesn't remember, and B, that she was just trying to save herself from him. Like, he could kill her. And it reminds me of a quote that's actually by Margaret Atwood, which is, uh, men are afraid of being laughed at, women are afraid of being killed. So it just shows you the tension that goes on in our society. Do do you want the
1: exact quote, Bill?
0: Yeah, do you have the exact quote, Andrew?
1: Oh, yeah, I have it here. Um, Men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women are afraid that men will kill them.
0: I mean, that's real. So I, I thought that theme was very interesting and also complicated what's going on of of, is she guilty or not if she is guilty like should be she be held responsible should she be considered mad should she be considered insane etc really interesting Hmm. um i think it will make for a really great television show i haven't seen it on netflix yet so now i really want to because yeah it's on netflix i really like all the people involved with it so i'm excited to watch it um my only tiny quibble is that it
2: is
0: orc as we say is that it's a little long it's 460 pages and it just does sometimes feel a little bit long but that's really minor I think overall I'm giving it four stars
2: nice
1: nice pew, pew, double pew, four pew. day that's good keeping it on your shelf
0: definitely recommend it if you're a friend of if you're a friend if, if you're
1: a friend of Margaret Atwood you if you're a friend of Margaret
0: one. Atwood you should absolutely read it and if you're a fan you should read it too uh Andrew do you have any facts
1: I do So, Margaret Atwood was born on November 18th, 1939, which if you're paying attention, is the same day as Alan Moore. What? What? Not the same year, but the same day and the same month.
0: I actually was paying attention Andrew, and I thought that you were tired and reading the same fact twice, and wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that's
1: wild. There are some other kind of funky similarities, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, Margaret Atwood was not born in Northampton, England, though she was born in Ottawa, Canada. She did not attend full-time school until she was 12. She lived out in the countryside and apparently was sort of homeschooled/slash like free-ranged for a while. Is what it seems like.
0: Free, free-range. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
1: She knew she wanted to be a writer from a very young age. I saw some sources saying at, from as early as six years old. Aww. And she published work in her college's literary journal when she attended the University of Toronto. She got her master's at Harvard, and even before she graduated from her master's program, she had begun publishing poetry. was already winning awards she sort of steadily published more and more poetry pivoting to short stories and then novels and then by the 80s she really came into prominence um, with the publishing of bodily harm the handmaid's tale which won the man booker and we know you've heard about and cat's eye Mm -hmm. Mm. she has won numerous awards so many awards that if you go to her Wikipedia page and just scroll, it's like three quarters of the page is the like list of awards <laughs> she's done. And almost as long is the amount of uh, honorary doctorates she's gotten. I think wow. there are approximately 100,000 of them. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> she must give a killer graduation speech. I bet, I bet she, oh, yeah, yeah, she
1: seems like the kind of person who would. Alias Grace was published in 1996 and was also a finalist for the Booker Prize. Um, She has remained very prolific over the years. Uh, Her newest novel, as we have talked about, is The Testaments, the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, um, which was just published, and is also a finalist for the Booker Prize because Margaret Atwood is a big Booker bopper. As I wrote down, and because I wrote it down, I feel obligated to say, even though... Big <laughs> book or bopper. Big there's book a or quote bopper.
0: There's a quote in Alias Grace where she said, just because it's written down doesn't mean that it's true. <laughs> but, I mean, in this case it does. It's
1: very true. She was briefly married to fellow writer Jim Polk. They divorced and she entered into a relationship but never married um, Canadian novelist Graham Gibson. And they were together from mm-hmm. 1973 to his death on September 18th of this year. So only a few days ago. Oh. It's very sad. Oh, no. Yeah. It was just after the release of the her latest book. Yeah. yeah.
0: No way. I didn't know that. That's so sad.
1: Yeah. Wasn't he an environmental activist as well? Yeah. He was an environmental activist. He published novels and then also books about like plant and animal life. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, he had. He apparently had had a very long illness, so I don't think it was a surprise, but mm-hmm. it's still incredibly sad.
2: Yeah, from what I've heard, they have a. They had a very like romantic, very like very good relationship. And there's
1: love. some very phenomenal pictures of them because he looks super cool. He likes rocking a pipe and big old sideburns. Highly recommend looking up pictures of them. I want to
0: see a movie about them.
1: There is a lot of information about her, and I have a feeling she'll probably come up again at some point on the True read list. So I'll keep this relatively brief. Um, but on cbc.ca, you can find a list of 76 interesting facts about her, which I highly recommend. Um, <laughs> some of those include that she has a special hat made out of newspaper, cardboard, and plastic bags. There is a picture um, of her wearing it and making <laughs> a very dramatic face.
0: For, for what reason does she have this hat?
1: Now you see... The cbc.ca list doesn't necessarily expound on reasons. It's a very <laughs> basic list. Um, it does link to other things, but I was sort of enjoying just getting the headline of them. She, like Alan Moore, was an underground comic artist in the 70s. What? Yeah, she illustrates and uh, has produced several uh, comics. I didn't know she illustrated comics. That's really cool. Yeah, so she. this is like a very fortuitous pairing of books, it turns out.
0: Wow, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, and the other last fact is her uh, her roommates at Harvard burned her hush puppy shoes. <gasps> Hold up.
0: What? There is a
1: link to this. I did not read it because I like just sort of knowing it and not knowing the reason. Just dropping it in there. Yeah.
0: Cool. Great facts, Andrew. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I hope she comes up more because there were so many facts about her. I wanted to keep it brief, but like it'll be real easy to make an entirely different list of, of facts.
0: All right. Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood. Four stars. Andrew, do you have a game for us?
1: Yes, I have a game. <laughs> uh, right. This game is going to test the medium that we've chosen to create here in, in podcasting. So can each of you take a moment and get a piece of paper or a notebook and something to write on? We are ready. All right. So this game is called Drawing of Extraordinary Gentlemaidens.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. Because, you know, Alan Moore wrote League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and, and, and Margaret Atwood wrote Handmaid's Tale. So this game is sort of podcast (laughs) Pictionary Okay You each are drawing for yourselves And guessing whenever you know the answer I'm going to guide you cool. through what you should draw.
0: So the people at home should do it
1: too. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're listening along, you should also take a moment to grab a pencil and a piece of paper. Stop your car, <laughs> <laughs> and or just imagine in your head as you're driving what this would look like. And um, if you get it before Bailey and Toby get it, they'll each give you forty dollars. Whoa! Does this make sense? Should I explain it more?
0: My question is: Are we drawing book covers? Or are we drawing like nouns?
1: Why would That's I tell in you away. that?
0: Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. So we're just cheater. gonna we're just gonna guess whatever it is.
1: Yes, cheater. You're gonna guess okay. whatever it is. I'll give you a hint. They're all in the sort of same category.
0: All right, I'm prepared.
1: Question A. Step one: draw <laughs> a vertical line, and keep in mind whenever you have the answer, yell it out. Okay. Step two: a vert- is it a vertical line? Is that the answer? <laughs> Absolutely not, Toby, and you can lose points because I make the rules. <laughs> no. This uh, happened to
2: me on the strand quiz.
1: <laughs> step two, draw a parallel line to your vertical line. Step three, at the base of the left line, draw a C, the letter C. From the okay. E- step four, from the end of the C that you just drew, draw a C that fell on its back. Step five, from the end of that, Draw a backward C that connects to the right vertical line. A bone? No.
0: A nose. A nose. All right, good. That is correct,
1: Bailey. Congratulations.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Congratulations, Uh, Bailey. You got the nose. I see it now. (laughs) I didn't make Toby's is really special. I didn't. (laughs) Oh God.
0: (laughs)
2: Well, we both we both made our vertical lines really long. (laughs)
1: I should have specified short, but hey, we're all learning on the fly here. No, no, no. Yeah, that's okay, okay, fun. Okay. It's fun. All we're right. gonna post these to Instagram yeah. once we once we finish. I can post my reference drawings oh. too. Okay. Oh, I should say this is the first of three. Correct. Okay. Uh, cool. Question B. Step one: draw an oval. Step two: inside that oval, draw a circle. An eye. That's correct, Bailey. You have two oh, points okay. already. Under
0: his I eye. I put
2: my oh, I put my oval vertical.
0: I did too, but I still figured it out because I'm smart man. I was trying to draw.
1: <laughs> All right. All right. I you, think I get the theme, though. You, you guys ready for question C?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. All right.
1: Question C. Step one, draw a square. Step two, coming out of the top left corner of the square, draw a thin rectangle. Step three: repeat this step three times across the top line coming off that top line.
2: So in total, we have four thin rectangles. Yes, or three. Fin-
1: in total four. Step four, draw a small thin rectangle out of the center of the right side of the square. Are these? I, okay. That's the Is last that the step. <laughs> Hair? No. Um, it's French fries. Think about maybe the maid's tail. A hand. Oh, oh
2: wow. <laughs> Listeners at home, I really want you to see Whoa, me. Toby, yeah, no. I,
3: look, look at mine, right. Dylan,
2: Dylan. Look at
1: mine. Mine is not Yeah, correct.
3: yeah. No, Bailey missed followed your directions. Toby followed your directions,
2: Andrew. I, so a hand is not square. well
1: I see my t- hand. I know a hand isn't actually square, Toby. You had to guess it. It had to be easy to tell right. you. <laughs> Draw something the shape of a palm. <laughs>
3: take, take your hand out. Put on a piece of paper. Trace okay. it. Trace that. That's
1: a turkey. <laughs> All right, so Bailey is leading two to one. All right, question D. Bailey, you can win with this one.
0: Okay.
1: Step one, draw half of a heart. And I mean a heart shape, not like an anatomically correct heart. Ear. Ear. That's ear, it's right. got to Bailey. be an ear. Bailey's the winner.
0: Oh, no. no. It was so close.
1: Guys, we have to do the tie-breaking one, though, because uh, I really like it. Okay, Okay.
0: tiebreaking. Right, tie-breaking
1: one just for fun. Actually, no. When I make the rules. This tie-breaker's worth two points. Toby, you can take the win here. Or you can take the <gasps> Thank you. A- the tiebreaker is worth three points. Toby, you can take the win here. Uh, Finally. Three the recognition points? Of, yeah. Okay. Or you can destroy me, Bailey. Alright. Question E. There's only one step to this. Step one and only one step. Under the first drawing you did, draw a series of straight lines rapidly. Mustache. There you go, Toby's the winner. Yes! Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! <laughs>
0: You know he mustache snaked that like V Van- for Vendetta. Ooh, connection! I don't know. It's a joke I made.
1: Well, congratulations, Toby, uh, from coming from behind, really rocking it out of the park. Bailey, you were miserable at that game.
0: What? <laughs> I got the most. I right. no no.
2: Make sure you save that drawing because I I really want to see have everyone see Bailey's drawing of a hand.
0: Yeah. Listen, it's it's interesting. It looks like a <laughs> necklace. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's true, listeners at home.
1: I couldn't think of anything else that wasn't too similar to other games that I already did, and then no, it's different. Yeah, I love it would it, be yeah. really different, and it combined, uh, you know, art and then also body parts like *The Handmaid's Tale* <laughs> because of hand. Sure. sure. Well, you
2: know, you know, what's funny is that um, in *V for Vendetta*, all of the uh, parts of the government are named after body parts. So there's the eye, um, <laughs> that's and also the, in *The Handmaid's and the, Tale*. There's fingerman and the nose and so yeah oh wow
0: well in alias grace the body's chopped in four parts
2: Ooh. just like the four points that i got
0: <laughs> all right well now's the time in the podcast where dylan chooses our books at random from our shelves random. um so before dylan does the choosing just so everybody knows the next episode that toby has to review for is gets to gets to is the day before Halloween?
1: Ooh. So,
0: so Dylan chose a book that he thought would be appropriate. Now, passing it over to Dylan
3: because I chose number 666. <laughs> the Great,
0: I have and- that many on my <laughs> uh,
3: fine. Number 29 The Great and Secret Show by Clive Barker.
2: Oh, I'm very excited for this one. Um, for those of you who do not know Clive Barker, he is a master of the horror genre uh i believe he wrote and directed the hellraiser films um a little movie called the candy man uh he's also written very uh he's he's like just below stephen king i think if you're into horror you'll know the name um i've read his books of blood series which is really good really good short stories and uh the thief of always which is a really good one but i'm really excited to read this one this is like his it's like a magnum opus it's like a oh. really big one very very well respected i'm excited.
0: Cool. I'm excited to hear about that. That sounds cool. I hadn't heard of him. Okay, what's mine?
2: And Bill, you got number
3: 20, The Casual Vacancy by some dude named J.K. Rowley.
2: Mm. You can tell it's a dude because it's not a woman's first name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just two what's up with that? I,
0: I am nervous. I am uh, anxious, nervous about it. I'm hopeful. Hmm. Uh Toby.
2: (laughs) I mean, I I attempted to read it so long ago, and I think I attempted to read it when it first came out, Mm -hmm. so I was definitely expecting something different, even though I had been warned. It's very different.
3: Okay. There's no wizards in this one.
2: I mean, I only finished half of it, so I can only say there's no wizards in the first half.
3: Mm -hmm. And welcome to Toby's Covered under the Stairs. (laughs) Oh, no, please
2: don't.
0: (laughs) All right, so next week on the podcast is a mini-sode. We haven't come up with the title yet, maybe something like Required Reading, our favorite books that we had to read in school.
2: It's gonna be more
1: fun than it sounds. It's going Our favorite <laughs> books that we were forced to read and then discovered that we loved.
0: Yes, mm. that's nice. And then the next week, I will be covering *The Casual Vacancy* by J.K. Rowling, and Andrew has *Death with Interruptions* by Jose Saramago. Thanks for listening to the To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the To Read List podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads at goodreads.com/theToReadListPodcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the 2 Read List Podcast and on Twitter at 2 Read List Pod.
1: If you like what you heard, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate us five stars. It helps uh, other people see it and leave a review too if, if you so care to. It does increase our visibility. And also, you can make up a little story. You can write whatever you want. Write five stars and then write a novella for all I care.
0: You can just <laughs> write the letter V and we'll know what yeah. you're talking yeah, well, about. Yeah, I do know what
1: you mean. And
2: uh, the best thing you can do uh, if you enjoyed this podcast and you know someone in your life who you think would enjoy it is tell them about it. Um, Grab them by the shirt, uh, shake them around a little bit. You know, people don't really listen sometimes, so you really got to get in there, shake a finger, um, and scream at them.
0: I don't endorse that, but all right. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me, to Dylan for sound recording, and to Miss Jillian Beth Durkee for composing our intro song. See you next week. Happy reading. Books,
1: Books, 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 books.